Turn your empties into sport opportunities. You can give a local child the gift of sport just by donating your empties to the Kids Sport Recycling Program. All you have to do is text or call 403-680-8776 to schedule your first pickup, and we will pick up your empties right from your curb. Get started today and help get local children back to sport. Text or call 403-680-8776 now. This podcast is provided in part by Sport Calgary, partners of Kids Sport Calgary. Sport Calgary, tired of searching dozens of websites for local sports events? Visit www.sportcalgary.ca and find hundreds of local events, everything from community gatherings to summer camps to tournaments. Welcome back to the Face First Podcast. My name is Grace Dafo, And I'm Alicia Rissling. Today, we are lucky to have in studio a athlete, a coach, and a speaker, uh, Chris Cedar-Strand, as well as a kids sport ambassador. Thanks for joining us today. You're very welcome. <laughs> so Chris is a former WHL player who had a, a life-altering workplace accident causing his right leg to be amputated above the knee. After being told the best activity he would be able to do was bowl, he has embarked on a journey that has seen him become North America's first above-knee amputee firefighter, as well as representing his country at the National Sledge Hockey Team, becoming an alternate for the 2014 Paralympic Games in Sochi, and winning many international medals, including a silver medal in the 2015 IPC World Championships. Since retiring in 2017, Chris has become the adaptive director at the hockey school PX3 AMP, where his sledge program is completely free for kids with disabilities. Chris works with Kidsport Calgary as an athlete ambassador, um, helping underprivileged kids afford for sport, and has started the Cedar Strand Foundation, which helps kids with disabilities purchase adaptive sports equipment. Chris is also coached with Provincial Sledge Team, uh, which has won four consecutive national titles. Not a big deal. For his efforts, Chris was named one of the Shaw's 50 Outstanding Canadians for his work in the community. What a bio. And Damn. Chris also b- brought us coffee. Yeah. That, that's, we should end with that. That's a key point. That, that's, <laughs> that's the key that's to win us matters. over. Everything else you can just throw away. It's bring coffee. <laughs> yeah. I'm joking. No uh, <laughs> yeah, You're true. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for coming and joining us. We're so nice to be in studio and hang out together. We've no, been trying to hang out together for a long time. But. Absolutely. No, it's my pleasure. <laughs> we'll, we'll, de- we'll get that going one of these days here. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it has to happen. Um, why don't we start where we always start with everyone. Why don't you tell a little bit about your story? Like, tell us and, and center, center around sport. Yeah, um, yeah. I grew up just, I mean, like any other normal Canadian boy, I guess, a small town Saskatchewan, and you know, sort of had my two dreams of playing in the NHL and and being a firefighter, which I think is pretty much you know top of the list for for any Canadian kid, I would think. And I was fortunate enough; I excelled at hockey and was able to play in the Western Hockey League. And unfortunately, had my career sort of derailed due to concussions. Um, then embarked on a, a firefighting career and ended up just having a really tragic accident in, in off tour days and uh, doing road construction and had a very large road packer malfunction as I, as I was backing it up uh, Bow Trail and sort of long story short to keep it out of the intersection that we were that I was working near I got it back into the median and it flipped and landed on me. Um, ultimately resulting in the amputation of my leg, sort of in a life-saving surgery. And, you know, at that point, I sort of had, uh, you know, lots of struggles, but had to reinvent myself. And ultimately, sport was the big component in getting me 
sort of back to back to my normal, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, started off, you know, I guess growing up, I played everything. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of a, a big key thing that I like to talk about now. But, uh, you know, big multi-sport athlete. And so post-accident, I got into golfing and cycling and, you know, was the first uh, Canadian to order a sport leg. So I got back snowboarding. Um you know, ultimately ended up finding my passion again with, with sledge hockey and, um, you know, was able to, to take that relatively far and, and then ended up, you know, blowing my shoulder out, very accident prone, uh, <laughs> <Obviously>. <laughs> twice actually, blew it out twice. So that, that ended up causing my retirement uh, from the national team. And ultimately from there, I ended up getting into coaching and, and sort of mentoring kids and, you know, got the, uh, the hockey program started and, been able to help out some of the humble Broncos. Um, yeah, it's been a very cool, very, it's been a yeah, very cool journey. No kidding. So now I know the story. So I've seen this video of why you were golfing with one arm. Um, I think I was like seeing your arm in a sling. And I was like, <laughs> again, like there's a lot going on here. What's, so now I know the story that you had blown your shoulder out and probably you were recovering yeah, from that. Dumb enough to keep golfing. I was so. like golfing with one arm. I'm sure that went really well. It did actually. You should, yeah, Maybe it, you should be onto something there. Uh, it went surprisingly well. Good to know. The less limbs I have, the better I get a sport. So we'll, uh... Oh my gosh, what a joke. Um, actually, okay, so I, I've had the privilege of hearing you speak before, and I was just curious though, how old were you when you had your accident? I was 25 when I had my 25. accident. 25, yeah, okay. And then did you, did you go to university at all? Uh, well, I went to fire college. Fire college. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, not, not, it's yeah, post-secondary mm-hmm. education, but, uh, yeah, it's something that, I mean, it's a pretty grueling course that you end up having to take up there just with getting all your, you know, fire accreditation and your EMT and everything of that course. way. So it, yeah. uh, yeah, ultimately was able to do that up in Vermilion. So, oh, that's awesome. And then, so that this became led to you kind of essentially keeping your job so maybe talk a little bit of of what life was like when you had your accident and then now continuing to be the first above knee amputee that's a firefighter yeah it was uh one of those things i mean there was a lot of a lot of dark times and things like that after my accident obviously it wasn't the easiest thing to overcome both um physically and and mentally sure but I was very, very fortunate in my, that my fire instructor when I was at school uh, became the chief of the MD out in Foothills and called me up. And, you know, and this was quite a few years post-accident. It took, you know, I'm going to say almost six, seven years post-accident. And, mm-hmm. you know, there were a lot of struggles obviously happening in that time, even just being able to wear a prosthetic and, and just live a, a normal daily life and he asked if I wanted to be a firefighter again mm-hmm. um you know and not thinking that it was even an opportunity or a possibility uh, and we ended up sort of figuring out what we needed to do and I was fortunate enough I've been able to work with Autobach which is the company that makes uh, my prosthetics and I think in the process of me getting everything dialed in so that I could get back and do the the physical again I think I blew up probably six or seven like hundred thousand dollar knees <laughs> so they were fired up because it was uh wow. something that you know the legs aren't have never been pushed that far mm-hmm. and so i mean i had to do the exact same physical as 
as anybody else or everybody that's, else. That's what I was going to ask. Was it the same test? Exactly or the same as, as everybody else. And I mean, I didn't finish first, but by I was nowhere near last. I sort of finished middle of the pack. And, wow. and then obviously having just the experience and having all my education and stuff, um, I was fortunate enough to sort of lead the way and become the first above knee amputee firefighter in North America. And opened up a you know it's opened up a lot of doors for for people i've been able to speak with quite a few fire associations um just letting letting them know that it's you know it it's not what it seems Mm -hmm. um you know one of the weird things that i find with with especially being above knee amputee is i mean if i ask you who do you think of as as an above knee amputee what's the first person that comes to your head terry box exactly yeah and Mm -hmm. i mean i the guy is an absolute legend he's a he's a canadian hero but everyone thinks of terry and like doing that hop sort of skip you know right down the road and and they don't they sort of go oh you know like that's probably as good as it's gonna get and and the thing is is the technology and in prosthetics and everything like that have come along so far that there's there's almost no limitation to things um you can go out there and i mean become a firefighter again as an above knee amputee which was something that even you know, 10, 15 years ago would have just been completely, you know, you would have been just wrote off and no, that's not going to happen. Right. And something that, uh, it, it's caught up and, and there, like I said, there's no limitations with things anymore. Yeah. Um, can we talk a little bit more about these knees? Like what, what makes them a hundred grand? And like, how to, like, <laughs> it's, it's expensive as your bobsled. <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of the, yeah, the, the prosthetic side of things is, I mean, actually just adaptive equipment in general is just absolutely insane as far as costs go. Um, I mean, the, the knee itself actually isn't, isn't that crazy. I mean, it's basically like an iPhone that runs a hydraulic cylinder in my leg. Um, but the amount of R and D and everything that goes into these legs. And I mean, how many above knee amputees do you know? No, no. None, right. <laughs> and so when, you know, the, just the amount of R and D that goes into these legs, obviously there needs yeah. to be cost recouped. Yeah. And unfortunately, like I, I've got about 140 grand strapped to me yeah. right now, which is most people can't even fathom that. And, and the, the crazy part is, is, I mean, this stuff's always, you know, going out of warranty like that hundred thousand dollar knee lasts five years. Wow. And once that five years is up, it's, you know, generally it's just a paperweight almost. Yeah. It's, it's something that, you know, I've been very fortunate enough to be able to, to get these legs, but for a lot of people, they, they can't. Mm-hmm. And even just running legs and, you know, any sort of prosthetic is insanely expensive. I mean, it's not like, you know, going and buying a, $200 pair of running shoes and, and going for a jog after you have an accident. Um, you know, my, my running leg was like 12 grand yeah. and that's what I needed to go for a jog. Right. And I mean, then it's different for every single sport. You know, my mm-hmm. snowboarding leg was another 10 grand, mm-hmm. my swimming leg, my skating leg. Like it's just sort of endless that way. Yeah. And so it's one of those things that, I mean, most people just, yeah. The, the cost of things is astronomical and it ultimately puts a ton of limitations on people. For sure. How did you get access to them? Like, uh, well, fortunate enough for me, um, just through what I've been able to do as above knee amputee, I, I end up getting to do a lot of work with Autobach. Um, yeah. and they're sort of the, like Ferrari of prosthetic legs. They, they sort of come up with everything. And, and so I'm, you know, just fortunate enough to work with them and get a lot of stuff 
through them and you know in, in turn I obviously promote the product and help people out whenever they need it if somebody's learning to run they'll yeah. send them to me and I'll be able to get them you know get them going and or you know whatever the yeah. whatever it is so yeah. it's uh I'm very very lucky that way because for most people it's not something that you know is, is even in the realm of of possibility of having you know 50 or 60 grand just of sport legs sitting in your closet <laughs> no kidding yeah no kidding yeah, so let's chat a bit about the Cedarstone Foundation because obviously this helps kids with disabilities purchase adaptive sport equipment. So, um, can you tell us more about it? Yeah, it uh, ended up just I had my my very first leg that I have had. I didn't obviously didn't have it covered. You know, it was this whole journey of becoming a firefighter again, and I was just telling my story to uh, a hockey team in Okotoks, and like four of the mums on the team decided that they were gonna fundraise and get me this leg and it was sort of like oh you know what we're talking like a hundred grand here how you know how is this gonna pan out and I mean obviously I didn't put a lot of salt in it ultimately it took like four months Uh, we were able to raise that and just you know through everything that I had come to me that way I just wanted to be able to give back Mm -hmm. as much as as I had been given and I knew how how much of a role sport has played in my life. And I, I see enough amputees and enough people that have gone through tragic injuries. Um, you know, you're very, you feel very limited and very stuck in that, in that spot. Um, cause like I said, it's not just, uh, it's not just prosthetics. It's, you know, you want to play basketball, there's a $5,000 wheelchair, right? Yeah. Like, and it's not the wheelchair that you're using to get around day to day. It's a whole completely different beast in itself. And, mm-hmm. and being able to give people that avenue to get back into sport. Um, I, you know, it, we all know we're all athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just about what it does for you physically, you know, the mental aspect of it, I find just trumps everything, everything and, yeah. and just allowing people to get out there and be active and having a norm again. Um, you know, can just completely change the direction of somebody's life. Yeah, that's that's incredible. So that's, when did you start the foundation? Uh, It actually got started when I found out that it was 100% up and running. We, well, you did Cowboys and Sleds, did you not? I did, yeah. So we had been talking about it and working on it, and um, it was one of those things that, you know, getting a foundation going in Canada is not the easiest, mm-hmm. <laughs> easiest thing going. And so one of the firefighters that I know that helped me with my fundraising initially and, and was my deputy chief, um, essentially put in all the work and I actually got presented with it that day, um, at Cowboys and Slats. Oh, is that so what it Okay. Yeah. It was a, yeah, a pretty emotional moment. There was a lot of work that had gone into it and, and knowing that it had finally sort of everything had come together and I was going to be able to really start you know paying paying forward what what i had been given so yeah let's let's talk about that event because that was absolutely incredible and then that also links into some of the work you're doing with uh the home belt bronco so do you want to just talk about it a little bit yeah um i was i was fortunate enough uh after you know obviously after the crash that hit something it was something that hit hit home for me um you know, just playing in the Western league. And I mean, spending an inordinate amount of time on buses, Mm -hmm. you, you realize it was just, yeah, something that that really hit home. And, um, when I had heard about Ryan and just, you know, heard his story and what he was already wanting to do, I was, 
you know, Rob helped me out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kersey was able to get me in touch with uh, Ryan's parents and, and ultimately... Uh, oh, so you reached out to him? Yes. Oh, yeah. awesome. And uh, once he got transferred back here to Foothills, I basically started, I went up and saw him probably, you know, one or two times a week. And we just started talking about how we were going to start moving forward. There were just so many parallels between our, between our stories, um, Mm -hmm. you know, just being that high performance athlete and me me losing my career to concussions. And then obviously having the the accident shortly later, um, it, uh, just, just for the listener. So Ryan is, uh, one of the boys that was on the bus and he was paralyzed from the from uh, chest down. Chest down, yeah. and he's a he's a Airdrie boy, like, so local to Calgary. And he was one of the ones that had to come home. Here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was one of the more significantly injured, um, you know, hockey players out of that mm-hmm. out of that accident. I think him and I've had the opportunity to work with uh, Jacob Wasserman as well, who was an incomplete paraplegic from the waist down. But uh, Ryan was definitely the most significantly injured. And, um, yeah, ultimately we created just a really great bond and friendship. And and then things just started going forward. Um, me and Rob decided that we were going to do, we wanted to do an event for him. And, and it spiraled out of control pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I ended up uh, meeting George Canyon. He, uh, he was a gentleman that uh, I'm not even sure most people know who he is. But, um, <laughs> if you're from Alberta, you probably yeah. know who George Canyon is. Um, <laughs> Country superstar. He uh, he actually helped out with the fundraising, my initial fundraising with my leg. He was promoting me at his concerts and things like that, and just I had become really good friends with him. And he jumped on board, and then we had the Chuck Wagon Association jump on board, and all of a sudden... Uh, we had Brandon Parker from Global at that point, who's now with the Flames, and we came up with this Cowboys and Sleds, where we were going to have all the all the chuck wagon racers out against a whole group of Olympic athletes, and it, uh, and then have uh, George and Aaron Perchette play a concert after, and it, uh, yeah, it it turned out absolutely. I mean, it, it couldn't have gone any better, and we ended up raising, I think it was about forty grand for Ryan. Mm-hmm. And which obviously helped him out immensely. And unfortunately, we were planning on doing it again. And then COVID, right? COVID hit, and you know we're. I'm not sure what's going to go forward. It'd be fantastic to be able to keep an event like that going and and be able to help out people in the community. Um, but yeah, it was it was a very very cool experience being on the on that side of organizing something of that scale. I bet. And, and you talked before about it was emotional because that, that was the day that your foundation began. But that was also the first time that Ryan kind of came. It was like his coming out party, and it was the first time he was back on the ice. And well, his first game. Yeah, you know, his first game. Like, yeah. in public, sorry. I know in he public, had been, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. And, yeah. And uh, it, it was just, it was pretty special. It was, it was pretty uh, special I, to be a part of. I had tears in my eyes when, yeah. when he got to come out. It was something uh, that we worked really hard for. Mm-hmm. So you know, for him to be able to get out there and do that. And it was uh, very, I think a very special day for him as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, something that just, like I said, couldn't have gone, gone off any better. Yeah. It's a pretty cool one. <laughs> Although- See, I, I'm glad the first time I tried sledge hockey um, was not at a huge event because I fell over and I could barely go like more than a meter at a time. And my arms were 
Yeah. That, that was my favorite part about it because I was so bad, but people were worse than me. So <laughs> Okay, so it see, was, yeah. It was actually the weirdest dynamic yeah. of that event, though. Because, I mean, our team was just stacked. Like, yeah. you're, you're looking at this going, and we went out earlier that morning because we wanted to give everyone a little bit of time before they got, you know, out for the game and mm-hmm. just to acclimate themselves a little bit. And I just, I was, I'm like, yeah, we got this. Like, mm-hmm. we got, like, the best athletes in Canada coming out and playing. And it's it was the weirdest thing because all the chuck wagon guys, I mean, they just being on horses and understanding balance points and everything. Like they just, yeah. I went out and watched and, you know, got them set up and I was like, just crap. Like, <laughs> like, oh, we're, we're in trouble. trouble. These yeah. guys are just motoring yeah. on the ice already. They and, just picked it so, up so quickly. And the rest of us are like, it was, it's, it's a very unique sport in that sense. Yeah. Uh, it's, oh, I'm trying to remember who was it? Was it Jermaine that uh, he couldn't even get out of the gate? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, oh my gosh. What's his last name? Franklin. Jermaine Franklin. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was so funny. Oh, what a day that was. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's, it's hard. I, but I would say anyone listening, like get out and try it. Cause it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, ours is pretty famous that Codette LaBarbera ended up having to go get stitches because <laughs> she got caught on her foot. Oh, um, wow. She wore capris. Like, <laughs> I'm, like she wore like capris and like. I don't even know, like Tom's shoes. I was just like, oh, they like, were Chanel shoes. I'm pretty sure. Oh, <laughs> she was also wearing a goalie helmet, which uh, well, so what do you, I mean, she was out there in like this nice blouse and capris, and, and of course yeah. she had a goalie helmet. What do you think? Jason's got regular helmets hanging around. Probably. She's been on the podcast before, so she's she can she's okay that we yeah. can chirp her on here. But uh, yeah, that was that was a good one. But that was lots of fun. She's so. the only person that's ever been injured in any of my demos. Oh no! So that uh, yeah, she she has that unique uh, accreditation to her name. So. Oh, I guess you guys have that accident prone in common then. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, oh shoot, I had something I was gonna say. So the the funny thing I wanted to talk about about sledge hockey for a lot of people who haven't tried it. So. Chris is out there on. So, are you on two blades, right? I'm they're, on two blades, but they're they're like so seven, close together. Inch apart, yeah. That they look like you're on one blade. Where my blades were like as far out as they <laughs> could go. Training wheels a little sti- bit. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, I noticed this year at World Championships that's no longer called sledge hockey. It's called para ice hockey. Yeah, they. I, I honestly don't know the whole rationale. And okay. moving, you know, changing the name behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at, at the international level, they've changed the name, but mm-hmm. they didn't do it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, and I mean, it's it was sort of a weird thing just because a lot of the sledge hockey programs are set up as foundations and charities because, I mean, they're there to help out people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And so it's a logistical nightmare for all these people to try and change foundation names oh, yeah, and team names, right? Because now you're getting, it's, you know, like we have the, uh, I mean, we're PX3 amp, um, but we have the, the flame sledge team, right? Right. Um, and sledge is what it's called in Canada and in the States it's called sled hockey. Yeah. Okay. It's and like bobsled, Bob sled, bobsled and bobsleigh. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, and so it's, it's got different names yeah. all over the place, but now at the international level, it's para ice hockey mm-hmm. and, I mean, I, it just, I, nothing's really followed through with it, I guess. Can we all just get on the same page? Same yeah, sport. It's, it's the exact same sport. Mm-hmm. Once you get on the ice, it's all the same sport, no matter what you call it. <laughs> um, do you want, 
Yeah, okay. Well, the other thing, we, we were talking about this earlier with uh, Tokyo Olympics have officially ended, um, and now we're moving into the Paralympics, and um, Grace brought up a good point that a lot of people... Yeah, so I, I was a little frustrated. Yeah. Over the last couple of days, people are saying, Tokyo 2020 is over. And I was like, Tokyo 2020 is not over. The Olympics are over, yeah. but the Paralympics are coming up. And so I, I put out a tweet, as I do, mm-hmm. and I'm like, just a reminder that you know, the <laughs> Olympics are over. But we were having a discussion, and, and we're really interested to know your thoughts. Is you know, The Paralympics, do you think they'd be better suited before the Olympics, after the Olympics, or is there a way that they could run at the same time? I'm interested. I, I don't think there's a way they could run at the same time because there's enough, enough adaptations made to the facilities mm-hmm. in order to allow the athletes to to compete um but it's just it's the weirdest thing because it to me it mainly happens in canada we just do not have good coverage here in canada like and it's seems across the board like when when we had world championships in buffalo in 2015 Mm -hmm. you know we're buffalo how far is that away from Toronto, right? A couple hours. <laughs> and and every single game was televised on NBC Sports in the States. Yeah. And you couldn't watch it in Canada if you tried. Yeah. And and it just sort of seems to be that way with with all the para, like with the Paralympics as well. Um uh, in in twenty eighteen, I mean they basically did an hour long, you know, highlight reel mm-hmm. on like C B C and things like that, and then unless you wanted you had to watch online or whatever the case was, but you essentially have to search for it. If you want to watch it, you have to search for it. If you want to watch it. Um, it's yeah, I, I don't know why, why it is that way. Um, it's, it's sad to tell you the truth. And I mean, I, I, I don't differentiate our para athletes and our, our able body athletes. I mean, everybody is out there putting in, you know, exactly the same effort i mean yeah and, if not more because of some of the adversity that you guys have to go through to, to get access to specialized facilities but. but yeah for for it not to be covered across the board that way is a very frustrating piece because you know i can i can talk about para sports and mm-hmm. i can talk about sledge hockey and there's so many people that have, still have no concept mm-hmm. on what sledge hockey is and well, it's like mm-hmm. it's the marquee sport of the Paralympics, like of the winter Paralympics. Of the winter Paralympics, absolutely. It's, it's the it marquee is. Yeah. sport. And yeah. yet, you know, mm. people really mm-hmm. have no concept. So Grace and I have an idea. We're going to pitch it to the IOC that going forward, we need to switch the Paralympics and have them go first because that way it can be like the hype. Like, because right now it just seems like the way it, it's, it's marketed to us. It's like the Olympics are here you basically like get so excited and then you're exhausted by the time the two weeks are over because you've gone through all the stories and everything. It's like, and now it's over. And then they just, they just don't get the coverage the way that they deserve for the para, um, a couple weeks after. So like if we could swip, swip, flip flop it, like then people can just build on that. And you know, when you hear these like crazy stories come out of the Paralympics and you can get so excited about them. And then when they're over, it's like, then we can get to the Olympics as well. And I think that way, going forward, we could we could build the hype. But I think a lot of that comes down to the nation that is that you're part of, right? For sure. Because um, you go down to the states, and the Paralympians down to the states are, you know, they're they're recognized in exactly the same way. Yeah. And up here, it's just not, you know, it's not the same. It's just not, you know, it's not. 
I'm not going to say not considered the same, but, you know, I mean, even up until this year, this is the first year that Paralympic athletes are going to be getting the same denomination of money if they win a medal. I was just going to ask you that. Right. And so, I mean, this has finally come to a a level term and you're like, well, how is that, you know, and how is that fair? Right. Like, why is it taken so long to get to that point when as, as a carded athlete, Everyone gets paid the same amount of money, right. right? You're all considered on an even level there, but then when it actually comes to performing at the games, you're not on an even level anymore. And then, like I said, I, especially in Canada, that recognition just, it isn't there. And I don't, I, ultimately, I have to put it on our broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, they just don't pump it like they would, and whether it's dollars or whatever it is. And, I mean, we've dealt with that with our... Um, with the sledge hockey team, I mean, we had the, we had a tournament here for quite a few years. Um, it was the world sledge challenge. And then we, it got transferred to the Canadian tire cup. And that's the only game that gets the gold medal game is the only game that gets broadcast Hmm. in Canada. We need to be better. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing that because I actually didn't know that. So I was that was one of the questions I was going to ask you is is the the money. So for people who don't know in Canada, if you win a bronze medal, you get ten grand. Um, if you win a silver, you get twenty, and if you win a gold, you get thirty. Um, and it is taxable. <laughs> Not that that would matter for me because I don't make any money, but uh, for some of the athletes that are well sponsored and stuff, uh, I know I was talking to some of the 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 ice hockey guys from from 2018, and I found out they got taxed on it. So um, it's like here, here, thank you for winning us the medal, but we're still gonna take some of that away from you. But I'm glad to hear that finally that the para athletes will be recognized because that's a bunch of BS in my opinion. like on a positive so i've known canada's been very bad because i was thinking back and i'm like i don't even remember the last like the last two paralympics because there's the coverage is so hard to find Mm -hmm. like you can't find those moments um like some of the olympic defining moments that you know i remember growing up as a kid um but i'm happy to know that other countries are better than us that not everyone is at the level of like it would Mm -hmm. be like no, and that's but, and that's the frustrating piece, actually. Like, mm-hmm. and I mean, not that I put our sport above any other, no. but I mean, it's it's hockey, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's really, I mean, if you guys have played it, you guys have seen it played at a high level. It's a very crazy game, actually, and it's played it's at so uh, insane. <laughs> it's so <laughs> violent. Just the fact that yeah. you can balance in it is just insane. Oh. Let alone like having been in one, how fast you move is like it blows my mind okay real real question here you know so the sticks have ice picks on the bottom and that's how you you call it paddling or no no uh just striding striding okay that's how you accelerate your strides do people ever hit intentionally hit each other with the picks had more stitches than that is crazy uh, they're essentially out there fighting with swords (laughs) it's yeah it's it's a very violent sport it's so violent um yeah, I mean, you get picked, you get, I mean, we, in my tenure with the team, even, I mean, we have, we're doing a camp out in Halifax and one of the guys got his wrist slashed in practice. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, you've, I've, yeah. In practice. It just, I mean, it happens yeah, incidentally. It it's not something that obviously the guy went out there and saw the guy's wrist. On the no, 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 like, no, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was just, you're battling and, and yeah. you know, things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh yeah i mean it's it's just a crazy sport in that sense and for the people like i was going to say uh with as far as media coverage go whenever people actually go to watch that game because mm-hmm. i mean generally i mean canada it's usually a canada us game at these at the, at the tournament here and <clears throat> that's hosted in canada and um everybody's like holy crap you know like i never you know i i had no idea Right. And I mean, you got, you know, we got Tyler McGregor on our team now who can do a lap and I think it's right around like a little under 17 seconds. And I mean, Connor McDavid's doing it in like 14 and a half. You know, we got guys that shoot the puck, you know, in the mid 80 mile an hour range. Um, yeah, the sport with a less is, of a lever because you're lower than that. Yeah, you're shooting with one arm. <laughs> yeah, like it's just yeah. So I mean, it's 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 such a unique game and such a cool game to see and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and just it being hockey is really something that, like I said, I, I everybody that I see or talk to that has seen it or seen it, you know, on that one game we get televised on TSN is just like, wow. Yeah. You know, it's got this just wow factor. And, you know, but I think, like I said, it all comes down to $2, right? I mean, they get more money for playing darts and playing commercials than they do for putting our game on TV for three hours. Well, let's hope that that... That starts to change now. What's uh, I, I hope so. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, should we move into kids sport events? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> this is our favorite, yeah. uh, favorite segment <laughs> of the show. So, okay, talk about you, you've been with kids sport for quite a while because you were here before I even got in. But how how did your transition get into working with kids sport? Um, yeah, I think this is my fourth or fifth year with kids sport. And... Oh, at the same time, I thought you were there longer. Yeah, no, it was right around right around the same, same time. time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I Kevin reached, or maybe it was Rob reached out to me and asked me about it. And then Kevin reached out, and I was like, absolutely, like mm-hmm. it's something that obviously I hold pretty near and dear. Um, you know, just knowing that knowing how much sport has helped me out in life, and and to have kids out there that don't have access to it from a monetary standpoint is something that's just. It's, it's a really sad thing because, you know, they miss out on a tremendous amount of things. And it's not just sport. It's life lessons. It's, it's just everything that comes with sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to have kids miss out on that is just tragic in my mind. So, obviously, I was 100% on board when, when I got asked if I wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a blast. I'm going to hang out with you guys. And, um, <laughs> You know, the events, tons of golf. Uh, you know, we got Ricky's event coming up, the shootout here in September, which has been, you know, by far probably one of my favorite events. Um, well, that, that was the next question. What's your favorite event? So <laughs> The ones that he wins. Yeah. <laughs> which actually is might be more than just targets for kids. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Oh, didn't didn't you get dethroned at the last? Yeah, tournament? I did. And in I the Annie Oakley. Um, yeah, I did. This last one, they I didn't get my three peat. So Shoot, I who a, who took it? Um, Riley. Riley Many Bears. Many. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, so it was yeah, I got quite a, the devastating. I think everyone else was on the sidelines, like yes. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Wanting me to lose. Like, there yeah, was yeah. a lot of trash talk leading up to there that three peat. The potential for the three peat. I remember <laughs> yeah. in the WhatsApp group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I take it you you get to go to. Are you going? I, to I will. The plan is to be there for sure this yeah. year. So I mean, it's something that yeah, it's such a fun event and for some reason i'm good at it so <laughs> i i'll take advantage you've been practicing already haven't I, you been honestly it's the <laughs> I've, I've shot guns that would be 
three times in my life then. Four times, actually, because I lost the three-peat. So I went out oh. and practiced one day before the the inaugural one that we did. Mm-hmm. And somehow, yeah, it just clicked. And then didn't shoot again till the next year. And <laughs> didn't shoot again till mm. next year. And now it's been two years. So Okay. So, uh, we're, uh, we're having some... Some FOMO because we'll both be in our uh, our camp for uh, leading into our season. So yeah, unfortunately we won't be able to be there and witness. Guys can sneak out. (sighs) If only, if only my nervous system can handle that because I get (laughs) way too into it. I'm and my performance in camp would suffer. And I'm trying to make an Olympic team here. Yeah, I'm normally like (laughs) exhausted. The last two times I've been, it's like you come home and you're just like, oh my gosh, it's a long shoulder and yeah. Oh yeah, the kick back on the shoulder. It's a long day in the sun too. Like that's uh, a few. I think it rained last the last one. We had like yeah, we had it was was cool, so it was wasn't too bad. But it was like just scorching hot a few years before that. So it's uh, but such a unique event, and you can you. You know, they put it on just to an incredible level. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you see, I mean, it's one of the, I mean, they're sold out pretty much every year with it. For so. sure. Yeah. And hopefully, Berkey said this year, he wants it to be bigger and better than ever. So. Well, we've got see. George coming out now. So I, you're. Sure, I know. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm lucky I get to see George prior to that. I'll be in his golf tournament. So. Oh, I'm in that one. Are you? Yeah. Oh, see, we get to do everything together. There, yeah. So, whether we get to always hang out. It's so good. Because what is that, September... 19th and 20th. 19th and 20th, yeah. Yeah. So. Fun. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to know somebody. Well, we'll bring you on to our team. Okay. I'll talk to George. Perfect. Because <laughs> I think it's, yeah, me, him, and Kale, like his son, and I don't know who our fourth is. Okay. So. Perfect. Well, I'll pull, we'll pull some strings. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be practicing, don't worry. <laughs> um, what's, what's coming up for you in the fall? Are you coaching still? What's, what's going on? Yeah, we've got... Busy um, with the kids. It'll be a a really busy fall, actually. Um, We've got, obviously, the hockey school going with with our Flames team, and we've started a really cool initiative with the Flames this year. And so we're just in the process of ordering a whole bunch of roller sleds. And so we're going to be able to go out and go to, like, the children's hospitals and schools and things like that and and help get kids with... Well, I mean, every kid, but... um, you know, obviously we're focusing a little bit more on kids with disabilities, mm-hmm. you know, spending, like I said, we'll probably spend a fair bit of time at the children's hospital and getting kids into sport that way, which will be such a unique experience and, you know, just be able to grow our adaptive sport group mm-hmm. out here, which is something that's desperately needed in Calgary. Um, it's just, yeah, we, we don't have a tremendous amount of athletes in Calgary for the size of our city, which is really bizarre and there's a lot of reasons behind it but um we won't go into those okay. <laughs> but um so we have that and um then i'll have yeah we're actually going to be adding another hopefully flames hockey team this year to the program so we'll have our, our younger group in there which should just be absolutely incredible as long as everything moves forward with it um because we're going to be able to give these kids you know when we went down to the nhl sled classic a few years ago um you know, for the guys that had played on the national team, it was a cool experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously that's one of the, it's, you know, few and far between the kids that actually get to do that. And I mean, the Flames just did such an incredible job, um, you know, presenting us with jerseys and doing everything that way. And, and just seeing the older guys have the reaction that they had um, to be able to offer that to some of these kids whose, you know, dream is just to put on a NHL jersey will be... Uh, be a pretty special moment um so we have that going and 
Oh, crap. I didn't know. <laughs> There's too many things. There's a lot going yeah, on. Our, our, our provincial team will be back up and going this year, which will be, oh, awesome. be fantastic. What age group um, is that? The provincial level is there's it's like our national team. There's no age limit. Oh, okay. Um, just because there we just don't have the number of athletes. Um, you know, I mean, when I ended up having to retire from the team, I I was the oldest guy on the team at that point, um, at like 38 or 39. I'm old, um, <laughs> and I mean, we had like a 16 year old on the team. Okay. So, I mean, it's very, very diverse, and that's pretty much at any of the elite levels out here. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got, I think, the oldest guy in the provincial team this year. Last, Well, not last year, because we didn't uh, get to play the full season, was in his 40s somewhere. Wow, you know? okay. And, yeah, been all the way down into the teens. So, yeah. it's, a, it's a very cool dynamic, because, you know, there's a lot of mentorship and things like that that, that happen in these programs. I mean, you've got people with just such a vast array of life experience, so we got that, and then I, I got my kids. Um, we'll be Carter will be in our hockey program, which he absolutely loves, and my daughter is just taking up every sport that she possibly can. So she did do gymnastics before, and now she's into basketball and volleyball. So nice. It'll be, uh, yeah. I I think that's it. But I, who knows I, what else might come up? It, it's uh, honestly <laughs> one of those things that, and then yeah, just probably hopefully the public speaking and, and things like that pick up so awesome so if people actually wanted to contact you about inquiring get involved in one of your programs or have you out to speak how can they contact you uh i have my own personal website just uh chriscedarstrand.com or through any of my social media channels or if you're looking at sledge hockey um you can go on to our uh, px3 amp site and that's got a ton of information about our program and, and everything that we're doing um, everything that we're doing there and we're, we're very fortunate here. Um, you know, even if it's not looking at getting out and, and playing full time, you know, we've got access to a ton of ice. So if anyone just wants to get out and try sledge hockey, um, able-bodied as well, correct? That's, that's the very unique thing about sledge hockey is up until the national level, you can be able-bodied. Okay. Um, there's no, no limitations at all at mm-hmm. that on that. So it's something that, yeah, if, you know, if somebody wants to come out and even if they have a family member or, you know, relative or whatever it is, it's a very cool dynamic to see kids getting out there with parents or brothers and sisters or, or anything along those lines. Cause it's not something that generally happens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can get in touch with us that way, uh, either through PX3 or, or through me and we can get you out there in a sled and get you bombing around highly recommend trying it based on on all our experiences but chris thank you so much for sharing um and good luck in your uh, quest for your third third title for targets for kids this year <laughs> i say reluctantly you guys are gonna be chirping me like it's no <laughs> tomorrow i'm sure i'm not gonna be there but i'm gonna be in the camp like just like getting someone i'm gonna get rob to fill me in what's going on I need to know. Requesting, <laughs> requesting a FaceTime yeah, from can we, someone. Can we get someone to do an Instagram live with a showdown, please? Yeah. 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 Put, put you guys on a loudspeaker and you guys can just, <laughs> just go to town. Going. Just chirp as yeah. it's going on. So. I love it. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, uh, thank you for all you do in our community. Thank you for being such a great influence and, and uh, best of luck with everything and your foundation continue to reach out to those kids and make a difference in their lives. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. All right. All right. That's all. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to the Face First podcast.